Verse 1, uh, Romans 8, uh, we start in verse 1, and so far we've seen that in Christ, guilt and judgment is removed. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Condemnation, guilt, judgment is removed if we are in Christ Jesus. And then spiritual freedom is provided in Christ. And then because of Christ's work on the cross, the sufficient sacrifice for all the sins of the world were, was made by Christ. And then there, is, there was a great exchange that took place on the cross. Christ was on the cross and all that condemnation, all that sin, guilt, judgment was placed upon him on the cross, and then we received righteousness. There was a great exchange that took place. We saw that Jesus substituted himself in our place and took that condemnation so that we are credited with righteousness. Not with righteousness that we've received, but that he earned for us. And, we, and the, the righteous requirement of the law is fulfilled in us. Then last week, we saw Paul compare and contrast Human depravity and salvation. We saw Paul talk about how human depravity, that nature that we are all born with, that nature that is against God, that wants nothing to do with God, that wants to live its own way, that in, the, in human depravity, it's a state of bondage. It's a state of slavery. We saw that in our human depraved state, we are hostile to God. We are against God. And that it's impossible to please God. And that ultimately, human depravity results in eternal death. And then we saw Paul contrast that and compare that to salvation, the life of salvation. That salvation provides life. Yes, eternal life, but abundant life here on this earth. That salvation provides us a mission to accomplish, a purpose to fulfill. And then we saw that, yes, we also receive eternal life. We receive peace with God. That human depravity is hostile to God, but because that we receive that peace with God, we're no longer hostile to God. We have peace with God through salvation. And then through salvation, we receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And then we saw eventually that salvation results in regeneration, that we are made completely new through salvation. Well, this morning, we've looked at the last two weeks. We've really looked at kind of under the hood of the nuts and bolts of the gospel, the nuts and bolts of salvation, the comparing and the contrasting of human depravity and salvation. But now we're going to see this morning here in Romans 8 and verses 12 through 17, the Apostle Paul is going to show we are now entered into a relationship. A relationship with who? With God. That through salvation, we enter into a relationship. So this morning, we're going to look at the terms of that relationship, what that relationship really looks like. And so we're going to look at Romans 8, 12 through 17. Sandy, if you click out of this slide, it should take us right into the fill-in-the-blank notes. There, there it is, okay? Let's read Romans 8, verse 12, 12 and 13. It says this. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> so then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So in these two verses, there's a conclusion being drawn to the previous 12 that we've already seen. We see here that this passage is drawing this conclusion, and it's saying here, since a believer lives in the Spirit, they are no longer captive to the Spirit, no longer captive, or no longer captive to the flesh. 
There's a theme here in Romans 8. We are not slaves to sin. We are not under the, a believer is not under the control of sin, but we are under the control of the Spirit. And those who give their lives over to sin will face eternal death. But those who live through the power of the Holy Spirit will see victory of sin in their life and eternal life. Now, there's a really key thing that we have to remember here in verses 12 and 13. This is not something we do. This is not something we do. We cannot put to death the deeds of the flesh on our own. We cannot live according to the Spirit on our own. It is only the reality of the Holy Spirit and dwelling in our lives that this can take place. Because here is what is the truth in your life and my life. There is, because of our depraved state, we cannot do good. We can't be good. It's against our nature. So after salvation, we receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And because of the Holy Spirit indwellment of our lives, then we can become more like Jesus Christ. That is called sanctification. It is only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can do anything good. This is not something we do. So as you look at these verses 12 and 13, especially 13 where it says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Don't read that and think, I have to do something. Because the reality is you and I don't have enough willpower to do good. We don't have enough spiritual power in ourselves to do good. We have to rely completely on the Holy Spirit. And that's the beauty of salvation. That beauty of the salvation is that you and I don't have to have the willpower to do good. We don't have to have the willpower like many of us are trying to now, three or four weeks, three or four weeks into this year of 2017 of I'm going to diet this year, I'm going to work out this year, I'm going to exercise, I'm going to lose weight, or I'm going to do something better. That is extremely frustrating, isn't it? How many of you have been there? Like a diet, you said, I'm going to keep, I'm not going to do this, and you end up doing it. Okay, well, we have a lot of liars in this church. <laughs> but the reality is we've all been there. This is not like trying to keep some kind of New Year resolution. This is the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God that lives in us. And just like we saw last week, the power of the Holy Spirit that was able to resurrect Jesus Christ from the dead now lives in your life and my life to where we can live a life pleasing to God, not in our own power. That's freeing. That's freeing. Take that home this week. Take that promise to the bank and know that you don't have to be good. You just have to be a believer. You have to allow the Holy Spirit to indwell and have power in your life and to yield and to submit our lives to the Holy Spirit. Now let's look down to verse 14. He says this, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. We're going to see the terms of this relationship that we enter into in salvation. For you do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So we're going to see the terms of, the, of this salvation. And the, number one, 
through salvation, we are God's children. That's, the, that's the, your first blank number one there. That's a little small. I apologize for that. That through salvation, we are God's children. That's the relationship we enter into. We are part of God's family. Now, isn't that amazing that we can be considered children of God, the God of the universe? We can be considered children. And the Apostle Paul elaborates on that because he goes down into verse 15. He says that we cry out, Abba, Father. Does anyone know what that word Abba means? That's a little Hebrew word, just like an American child might say daddy. A little Hebrew child says Abba. So what the Apostle Paul is saying, well, at, at salvation, we enter into a relationship with God and he is our Abba. He is our daddy. We enter into a relationship with God. And I know that with a group this size in this room that I could be talking to someone this morning that you do not have a good relationship with your earthly father. I can understand that, that you may be sitting here and you hear this reality that God is our father and you hear us talk about us being God's children and he our father. And that doesn't do anything for you because you don't have a good relationship with your earthly dad. That when you hear that God is your father, that it doesn't bring any, any kind of warmth there to you. But when the Apostle Paul here in Romans 8, 15, when he is saying that God is our Abba, that he is our father, he is not saying he is like our, our earthly father. Oh, no. Because ultimately our earthly fathers, they will fail us. <clears throat> he is the father we always wanted. He is the father that you always needed and that you longed for. And that is the relationship you enter into at salvation with God. He is our Abba. We are his children. But then we see kind of the process of becoming God's children. Number two, through salvation, we receive adoption. This is the process. This is how we become God's children. Look at down again at verse 15. It says that we receive the spirit of adoption as sons. We receive adoption. And here's what is amazing about this process of how a believer comes into God's family. It is the process of adoption. Um, there's a family member in my life who I uh, love dearly, dearly, and they were not able to have uh, children biologically. And so they uh, adopted three children from Russia, uh, two girls and a boy. And that was quite a process that Dave and Donda had to go through. That was quite a process they had to go to. First of all, they had to be the right people at the right time for these three kids. And so it takes the right person at the right time for adoption to take place. And then they had to go to great lengths to go adopt these three kids. They had to fly all the way over to Russia. They had to spend, first of all, a month there in Moscow going through all kinds of interviews and questioning about that. Then they had to come back to the United States and wait to see if they passed that. And then they had to go back and spend another two months there in Russia. And they would spend two months going to the orphanage. And they started out just spending one hour a day with these three three kids, these two little, two little girls and a little boy, and they had to sit down and they played with them for just an hour. And as the weeks by, went by, that time got stretched out a little bit longer, a little bit longer, a little bit longer, until, the, until they were spending the night with them, until finally 
They had to stand before a Russian judge and answer some questions from that Russian judge. And then there, that Russian judge declared Daisha, Dawson, and um, I'm forgetting the other one. I'm drawing a blank. Oh, um, and Maisha. They had to uh, declare, that judge had to declare them as their parents. And then they were able to bring them home to the United States. It is a lengthy process to go through adoption, even today. Adoption is not always easy. It's not always a smooth process. It takes the right people at the right time. It takes people to to go to great lengths. It involves a lot of time and resources. There's a legal process. But faith family, in order for God to adopt us into his family, it took a long process. God went to great lengths. First of all, God came to this earth as Jesus Christ as a human being. He humbled himself. He became a man. He, God faced the limitations of becoming a human being. And then he died a brutal death on the cross for the sins of the world and to reconcile us to God. And then he was resurrected from the dead. That process of adoption was a lengthy, lengthy process that God went to to adopt us. Think about that for just a second. Meditate on that process of adoption. That God initiated his love towards us so that we could become his children. That he could adopt you and I as his sons and daughters. And then number three, through salvation and the Holy Spirit, our relationship with God is assured. Through salvation and the work of the Holy Spirit, our relationship with God is assured. Don't we like assurance in our lives today, right? We might go to a a notary to make sure that whatever we signed is assured. We get life insurance. We get car insurance. We get all kinds of, they sell pet insurance now. If you get pet insurance, okay. There's pet insurance called the old yeller treatment. Uh, There's pet insurance there. Oh, I made a lot of people mad. There's pet insurance. I mean, there's all kind of assurance. We want to be assured of everything, right? Well, here's a beautiful reality in our lives. We receive the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit assures us of our salvation because it says down here in verse 16, look at it, verse 8, or chapter 8, verse 16, it says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. I told this story here before. When I was a youth pastor in the Birmingham, uh, Birmingham, Alabama area, I was approached by uh, a student in our student ministry. He was 16 years old, and he called me, and he said, Adam, I am really struggling of whether or not I am truly a believer. If, I, if, I've, if I'm saved, I, I, don't, I don't know that. I'm really doubting that. So I said, well, why don't you come up to my office and let's sit down and talk. And I asked him, I had him tell me about why he might possibly think he could be a Christian. He explained to me that when he was six years old that his parents, who were well-meaning, kind of forced him to say a prayer to ask Jesus into his heart. And he just did that to please his parents. But now, then, at the age of 16, he said, I don't really understand what I was doing there I was just doing it to please my parents. I'm not sure I'm really truly a believer in Jesus Christ. And he asked me, Adam, am I saved? I said, Josh, I don't have a 
spiritual crystal ball to look into your life and tell you whether or not you're truly a child of God. But you do have something in your life. You do. God does provide something to let you know, and that's the Holy Spirit. So I told him, Josh, go home. He lived out in the country there. I said, just go home, get away, and just spend some time and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you of whether or not you're truly God's child. Because I said, God doesn't want you to be confused about this. God doesn't want you to live this life of doubt and wondering if you're truly his child. And God's given the, provided the Holy Spirit to communicate that to us. I read him this verse right here in, in Romans 8, 16. I said, ask the Holy Spirit to just bear witness to you whether or not you're God's child. A couple days went by. Josh called me. He said, well, we need to talk in your office again. So he came into my office and I said, well, what conclusion has the Holy Spirit helped you reach? He said, the Holy Spirit has clearly shown me that I am not God's child. That I've just been trying to live a life of being a good kid, of just trying to please my parents, of going to church and acting the life of a good Christian uh, teenager, but I, am not, I do not have a relationship with God. And so he kneeled right there in my office and accepted Jesus Christ into his life, and we baptized him two weeks later. The Holy Spirit communicated to him and clearly showed him that he was not saved. And folks, there is going to come times in your life and my life where we are going to really wonder, where is my, my relationship with God? Do I truly have that saving knowledge, that relationship of Jesus Christ? And we can wonder and we can doubt. But folks, the reality of the Holy Spirit is that it bears witness. He bears witness to us. He tells us whether or not we're God's child. So with a group this size, it could be that maybe you've gone to church your entire life. You've been in church your entire life, even from as a child, and you wonder, you doubt, am I truly a believer in Jesus Christ? Am I going to enter into an eternity with Him forever? And you may wonder that, and you may doubt that. Can I just encourage you? God is not a God of confusion. God does not want you to doubt. And the Holy Spirit is there to bear witness to you if you are God's child. So you say, Adam, what do I, what, what do I need to do? Listen to the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit. I've had times in my life over the years where I've wondered, am I truly, am I truly God's child? I've even wondered, you know, you wonder that recently. That comes to your mind and the Holy Spirit will say, yes, you are God's child. Because our eternity, our relationship through salvation in the Holy Spirit with God, it is assured. It is our salvation is assured. And then once we are truly in that relationship with God, once we are truly believers with God, He seals that salvation to where no one can take that salvation away. We can't lose that salvation. The Holy Spirit assures it. Jesus told His disciples, He said, if you are God's child, that the Father has placed you in My hand, and no one can pluck you out of My hand. Who assures that? That's the Holy Spirit. He guarantees it. And then finally, number four, through salvation, we are heirs with Christ. Look at verse 17. If there is one spiritual reality that you can walk away with this morning that we each can take home with us, this is the one. Look at verse 17. He says, And if children, if the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs with God 
and fellow heirs with Christ. What is the Apostle Paul saying here? What he is saying here, as we enter into that relationship with God, and we are as adopted as his children, we are heirs with Christ. What is an heir? Not something like a ground ball going between your legs playing baseball. What is an heir? An heir is someone who has the right to some kind of a state. Right? We all dream of that, that we get a phone call, someone knocks on a door, some lawyer knocks on our door and says, you have now inherited millions of dollars from some cousin you didn't even know. Right? We all dream of that. Right? That's our investment strategy. That's not a very good one, but that's how I'm going to retire. Is some cousin of mine is going to leave me to be heirs millions and billions of dollars. Right? What's an heir? Someone who receives something. Because of a relationship. So I want us to look at the relationship of God the Father, God the Son. Now, yes, they each have different roles in the Trinity, but there's the same God. How that works, I don't know. They've debated it for centuries. We'll never know this side of eternity. But everything that God the Son, Jesus Christ, receives from God the Father, with the Apostle Paul saying here in verse 17, he is saying we are fellow heirs with Christ. That means everything that Christ receives... As the Son of God, you and I, as God's children, we receive the same. Isn't that amazing? That you and I can be fellow heirs with Christ. That means that the glory that God the Father has poured out on His dear Son, Jesus Christ, is not just for Jesus, but it is for Him to share with all of us. God the Father, when it comes to our future, He promises a full inheritance. And that's a good thing from God, because God, he is infinitely, infinitely, immeasurably wealthy. He is spiritually wealthy. And he says to you, he says to me as his children, if we are his children, you will inherit the entire estate. You get it all. All that is mine is yours. And that's what it says over and over again. Jesus came to give us that picture in Luke chapter 11, Jesus told his disciples when he was teaching them to pray, he says, you know how to give good gifts to your children. He said, you being sinful, you even know how to give good gifts to your children. But if, you're, if you know how to do that, how much more does your heavenly father in heaven want to pour out his love and his gifts on you? So with this relationship, yes, we are adopted as God's sons and daughters. We have the Holy Spirit to assure us of our salvation. We are adopted by God in the work of Jesus Christ. And then we are heirs with Christ. We receive the full inheritance. We get it all. All that Jesus has, we have. Galatians 4, Mary Lane read this for us, but turn over there. I want us to look at it again. Look at, turn over to Galatians 4, 1 through 7, and then we'll be done. Look at Galatians 4, verses 1 through 7. Paul writes to the church in Galatia. He says, and I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave. Though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, this is the process of adoption, verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, 
God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. What's Paul saying? That even as a child, before an inheritance is received, a child's no different than a slave. They don't receive anything. But at a certain time, sometimes at the death of a relative, at a certain time, that child will then receive an inheritance. And then Paul says that God went through that process. When the fullness of time had come, the right person at the right time, God sent his son, forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under law, so that we might receive adoption of the sons. And then he goes further on to say, and if we are sons, then we receive the inheritance. Folks, here's something that you and I must never, never, never get over. That we are fellow heirs, or as some translations say, joint heirs with Christ. We receive the full estate. We receive the full inheritance. And through that, God wants you and I to experience Him fully. Because He promises us that full inheritance. Bow with me in prayer. God, we thank You that You have given us the opportunity to have a relationship with you. I thank you that through your work that we can be your children, that you put a redemptive pro process, a purpose together of adoption to adopt us as your sons and daughters. And we thank you that through that we are fellow heirs with Christ. And Father, I pray that if there's anyone here today that is not your child, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would bear witness to them, show them their need of salvation. And that they would come to know you as a father and them as your child. And they would experience the fullness of life and peace that you provide through the gospel. It's in the Jesus' name we play. Amen. Roxanne.